I like cute clothes. I like having stylish outfits and I hate shopping. Armoire makes getting dressed easier. Armoire is a clothing rental membership option. And Janet and I recently have both tried it out. And you guys, it is so much fun. You go to their website, you get to take a little quick style quiz, takes five minutes, and then you get presented a list of beautiful clothing, pictures, wonderful clothes that you can pick out and get delivered to your house for you to try and wear in the comfort of your own home without going out and determine what looks cute, put together outfits without investing a ton of money. Right now, our listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off your first month. That is up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash envoys. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E, dot style slash envoys to get 50% off your first month and never have to worry about what to wear again. Try armoire today. This is On Boys Parenting Podcast. We are your co-hosts, Jennifer L.W. Fink, mom of four boys. And I'm Janet Allison, teacher of many more. Thanks for joining us as we share real talk about parenting, teaching, and reaching tomorrow's This episode is brought to you by Audible. We know that you don't have a lot of time to sit down and read. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Go deeper with audio content from Audible. You can download a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash onboys to download your free book and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash onboys. We've been diving deep into some topics recently, the ones that don't have those quick fixes that we sometimes wish they would. Some of these topics are really causing us, Jen and I, and our listeners to step outside of how we've been looking at an issue and consider new viewpoints. We recently did an episode on respect. I think both Jen and I were surprised at how quickly it got so complex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Jen and I have been doing this work for a long time and wrestling with these topics for a long time. So it got complex for us and we feel for you, dear listeners, you are not alone. These are things that we really have to wrestle with. Now, we had an email from Steve Bidolf, sometimes called the world's most popular parenting expert, and he is our on voice new friend, we're proud to say. He remarked after listening to that episode on respect. He said, I just had a listen to the podcast you made on respect, and it was really great. I was riveted from the first. This is such a central issue for every person's life, and you had got into the subtleties and the crucial definition confusion of what it means, and it was a revelation. So I guess, Jen, our confusion came across 
loud and clear <laughs> with respect. And we are going to dive into yet another difficult topic where there are no quick fixes, no easy answers today. We are going to be talking about shame. You know, it's good to realize that all that wrestling we did with respect, you get in the mess and you wrestle with these concepts and you do eventually come to some realizations and revelations, but you won't get there unless you're really willing to, to dive in and go to some of those uncomfortable places. And that's what we're going to do today with shame, which is a common emotion that none of us enjoy. Yeah, we're already, if you could see our faces right now, we're both have our faces kind of like, oh, shame, I'm not sure I want to talk about this. But it has come up multiple times in my Facebook group, and I'm guessing in your Facebook group too, Jen. It's coming up, and is it because school has just started? I don't know. But there were a couple of really dramatic very heart-rendering posts about adults who have shamed little boys. One mom wrote about her boy being shamed by the bus driver loudly and in public and in front of other people. She was saying how her son had been beating up kids and hurting other kids and having meltdowns at school and the parents need to do something about it and recounting all of these things that had happened. And I mean, I don't know, she's the bus driver. I don't know how she knew all those things other than hearsay, which is one of the things that, that makes this whole shame topic a little more complicated. And the mom was wanted to stand there and burst into tears for her son, for herself. And her questions were, what do I do? How do I fix this? And the other incident that a parent wrote in about was a principal going to the son's classroom and announcing to the classroom what he had done wrong. Oof. And so that was a whole nother, like you have to go back and have these conversations and advocate for your kiddos. Um, so that kind of got you and I talking about shame and what is shame? How do we deal with it on not only as an adult, but then we have to guard against that for our children. And it's so subtle and it's so pervasive. So here we go. So Jen. I know that both of us did this. I felt the need to start with this. We did it with respect and we're going to do it with shame. Definition of shame. What exactly are we talking about? And what I found, I mirrored, I think what you found, uh, definition of shame is a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness of wrong or foolish behavior. And as I read that, to me, there's two levels of shame and a distinct difference between shame and shaming. And I will add also feeling ashamed. There's all these different layers. So on the one hand, it's okay and perfectly healthy to feel a little bit of internal discomfort when we know that we haven't lived up to our values, right? So if 
let's say I'm at the store and the cashier inadvertently gives me a five back when it should have been a one as part of my change and I don't say anything, I'm going to feel a little not great about myself when I get into my car. That's healthy. That's like my internal signal saying, hey, you're not really behaving the way you're supposed to. Yeah. To me, shaming is when somebody else is like purposefully, maybe not even purposefully. I think people do it unconsciously too. When somebody else is trying to make you feel bad, that's a different thing to me. And, and I think what you said, it's not done purposefully, but we get into shaming you know, we get into shaming boys. It's as, as simple as when we say, quote unquote, boys don't, boys shouldn't cry. Boys, when we get into that whole boy code man box thing, all of that is shaming and not respecting. Here we go. Shame and respect in the same All place. together. Not respecting that person as an individual. Part of this conversation too is guilt. Like you felt guilty when you got in your car with that $5 bill. And I would just like to say on my behalf that this is a totally made up example. And I did not steal an extra $5 from my local, uh, my local gas station. This did is not. Not. No. Completely innocent. Did not. It's just an example, listeners. Just an example. <laughs> I mean, I think it's probably happened to all of us. But we feel that guilt. We mm -hmm. did something wrong, and that guilt helps us develop our moral code and our empathy, because it might not have just been the dollar bill. It could have been something that we did to another person, so we develop that empathy. So I think it's important to tease apart guilt and shame, and that shame is that feeling. So here's a difference, is shame is the feeling of, I am bad. Not, I did something bad, but that it's that internal dialogue of, I am bad, I'm worthless, I'm, you know, all the things. That's so. where shame is harmful. When we inadvertently give or get the message that there is something inherently wrong with who we are. Yeah. And you and I have both seen this happen to boys who get the message that there is something wrong with them because they are active. They're having a hard time sitting still for 20 minutes, an hour in class. That there's something wrong with this very inherent natural need to move that they have. When boys feel ashamed and bad about themselves because they're struggling to read in first grade, because their brains just aren't entirely ready for it yet. Mm -hmm. That is damaging shame. Yeah. And this makes me remember my dear, sweet third grader that I was in a school I observed in last year. And he was standing in the hallway. And when I went to talk with him, guess what? He had been sent out of the classroom for farting. Right. A shame, talk about shaming for a natural. And his question to me with these big brown eyes were, everybody farts, right? And it's like, so he's gotten shamed for a natural bodily function that everybody does. And man, he could not understand that at all. 
because it doesn't make sense. Does not make like sense. Like he's in third grade and he understands it doesn't make sense. And here's where it gets very, very tricky. It's because a lot of us were treated in shaming ways. And so we, we repeat all of this. So like the respect conversation, this is where it gets tough because it requires doing this internal work and looking at your own stuff mm-hmm. and what you learn on purpose, not on purpose, what you've just taken in and accepted as true. Yeah, all those beliefs that pile up from when we were little kids. As we were thinking about this topic, I found a really interesting article, and I will include the link in the show notes on um, ahaparenting.com. And they were talking about how we all have this natural, you know, to feel uncomfortable if we behave in ways that don't meet the expectations. And they used an example if, you know, let's say there was a, a gathering of adults in, in a community and they're having like a serious meeting and it's a grown-ups discussion and this child rushes in all excited because he found this super cool bug and he wants to tell everybody about it, right? The look the kid gets when he walks into the room will usually be enough to tell him like, this is not acceptable right here and right now. And this article says that like, that's normal because he'll get that look and he'll be like, ooh, and probably already you Back know, start out backing of out of the room. Exactly. That's fine. The article says what happens next is really what makes a difference. So if then all the adults pile on and tell this kid how terrible he is, you shouldn't have come here like this. This isn't the time to talk about a bug, right? Now he starts feeling like there's something really wrong with him because I I thought it was okay and like they've liked bugs before versus if you kind of just let that kid feel that natural discomfort and then maybe the parents take this child out of the room because it's not appropriate in the room and say hey wow that's a cool bug you know what later on we'll look at it more closely together where you can kind of acknowledge where this kid is coming from hey you're excited without making this thing that he did, which frankly, he didn't know that going into that room at that time wouldn't be acceptable. He can get the message in such a way that he doesn't feel like his natural inclinations were wrong. Yeah. And I love what you said about taking him aside Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. having that conversation in private. This is what is not happening every day in schools and that is the model of classroom behavior management that can be anywhere from writing a child's name on the board to uh, having the your name on a clothespin and you get your clip moved up to the Usually you start on green and then you get not moved up. You get your clip moved down to yellow, in the red zone, down to red. And that is like a neon sign for that boy. And man, when he gets even in the yellow, what's the point? I know I'm going to get in the red. And part of that, sh- so it's that public shaming yes. boys are so, so sensitive to that shame, embarrassment. Then I've got to be the, the, play the fool, be the class clown, because how else am I going to save face here? And so you need to know how the classroom behavior 
is being managed? And is the teacher pulling a child aside to have a conversation about behavior or, and I mean, I was there. It's so easy to do call across the classroom and tell a child to stop doing what they're doing or in some way call them out. But to understand that boys are super sensitive to that and it causes either they'll, you know, really go out and be the clown or the jokester, or they're going to just curl in upon themselves because part of shame is you want to hide. Yes. This is so hard because as you said, this is common classroom management. So you might listen to us and you might be recognizing exactly what Janet just said, how one of those clip charts have harmed your child, affected your child, affected his feelings about school and about himself. I wrote a whole post about this years ago when my son was in first grade moving to the red zone because he was that kid. And holy cow, Janet. Yeah. He responded by hating school and becoming a class clown. Yeah. It's persistent. He's still in eighth grade and he's toned down his behavior some, but it affected him. Recently, just this year, um, a writer that I know did a really great article looking at those clip charts and how they affect kids and what psychologists have to say about them. And I'm going to dig that up and I will put it in our show notes because parents, you need to arm yourself with facts and information to present and share to the school and the teachers. I'm not saying go in adversarial at first. Your first step is to talk, find out what's going on in the classroom and be compassionate to the teacher's viewpoint as well. Remember, the teacher's got 20, 30 kids in the class that they're trying to manage and hasn't had all of this background in boy development and probably did not dig deeply into the effects of shame on young boys when they were in college. Did you do that, Janet? No, we didn't (laughs) talk about boys at all. Let's take a brief pause for this message. Take out your phones, find your other moms of boys and text them a link to this podcast. That's on-boys-podcast.com. Together, we can raise great men. Okay, we're back. Shame. I hope everyone's kind of breathing their way through this because it calls a lot up in ourselves. I can remember, and I've told this story on the podcast about being called up in front of the class in fourth grade to be told how bossy I was because of the kickball game at recess. And I mean, it is still, I can see the whole scenario to this day. And my, I'm sure my parents didn't even know what happened, but I think we're all a little, I, I would say, I think we're more evolved and more in touch with feelings now, this many years later, I won't say how many years, but so recognizing, and part of the question of these moms in the Facebook group was, how do I help my son get over this? It's really important not to just think, oh, he'll be fine, but it is important to explore it, to have the conversation around it. And I know, Jen, we're always saying, have the conversation, have the conversations, but it is in a boy appropriate way. But to say and acknowledge that must have really hurt your feeling. And I think it's totally fine to say, 
And that was really inappropriate behavior from that adult. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And By Heart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y- H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast, and it is 10% off your first order, byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer, and additional terms and conditions may apply. One of the most challenging things about being a woman at midlife is realizing how little people understand about perimenopause and menopause, Janet. I just had a conversation with my sister about that this weekend. She is 10 years younger than me, so I'm 51, she's 41, and she went to ask her healthcare provider, hey, can you provide me some information? And she got information, but she was frustrated by how incomplete it seems, how little we know, and how for way too many people, the answer seems to be, yep, that's the way it is, deal with it. Mm-hmm. Deal with it. And not only are our mamas out there having to deal with perimenopause, likely at this age, but many of our moms are dealing with their sons entering or in puberty, which is kind of nature's irony, which is, oof. Cruel joke, Janet. Cruel joke. Cruel joke. Thankfully, thankfully, Increasingly, there are those who are recognizing that women need and deserve competent care and treatment for perimenopause and menopausal symptoms. And we know that can still be harder to access than it should be, which is why we have partnered with Winona. Winona helps women who are dealing with menopause or perimenopause. Winona is a collection of OBGYN health professionals who believe that your symptoms are important, real, and deserve to be taken seriously. Telehealth, you can access care from your home when it is convenient for you. Visit buywinona.com today to start your free visit. With free U.S. shipping and the ability to pause or cancel at any time, your path to wellness has zero obligations. Use the code ONBOYS at buywinona.com for 25% off your first order. That's B-Y-W-I-N-O-N-A dot com slash ONBOYS. Winona, menopause care made easy. So here was my thought when I went back and looked at that scenario again. As I, as I read that mom's question, I recognized that 
she was feeling shame too. Yes. The bus driver was saying this, according to her note, in front of the other kids and parents. Yes. So naturally, this triggered intense feelings of shame in her. And it's really, 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 really hard to respond when you're in that moment. Like you said, you just want to curl up and hide. Um, so as to dealing with it afterwards, like honestly, first get out of that situation, get you and your kid out of that situation, if at all possible. But I think if she recognizes that, or if others of you recognize yourself in that dynamic, and Lord knows we have all been in situations where our kid misbehaves, whether they really misbehave or somebody else thinks they did, where our kid does something and adults are upset. And so we are also upset because why we feel like our parenting is being judged and we feel ashamed. And embarrassed. Exactly. That's one way you can later bring it up with your son. Acknowledge that you felt embarrassed and ashamed. You know, I don't know about you, buddy, but when the bus driver was saying that in front of all those other parents, I felt really bad. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that is that place where we need to expand their emotional vocabulary and, uh, and it's hard, but just don't pretend that it didn't happen. And recognize that the way it affects us affects how we react to our children Mm -hmm. as well. A very, very common dynamic is something like that happens. We as parents feel intensely ashamed, embarrassed. We lash out at our kid. Mm -hmm. It's like we're taking this discomfort we feel and throwing it over here. And the kid's an easy target. They're smaller than us. They're right there. And we have just made everything worse. Yeah. We all do it. It happens. Your child will not be irreparably harmed because you do it. But when you realize in hindsight that you did that, then you can circle back and talk about it and say, hey, I am sorry I lashed out at you. Again, explain how you were feeling, which opens that conversation. Shame is a feeling that we all feel we very rarely name for our children. Yeah, I was reading also an article before this about, and this was more for adults and uh, maybe adults that are in recovery and uh, shame in that realm. And it had some really good examples of ways to get out of shame. So this would be for the mom and this is for all of our listeners that, you know, maybe you've had some trauma in your past. Things have happened that you recognize and you go to that place of wanting to hide. And what they're finding is that that hiding, so then you're reluctant to show your true self to anyone. And so you hide more and that creates this cycle of unhealthy behavior, right? Isolation. Isolation, anxiety, depression, low self-esteem. So here's some suggestions of how to get out of that cycle of shame. One is to find your safe person. Who is that person that you can share in a safe space? And this is for your kiddos too, of you can always come and talk to me about anything that that reassurance but also 
to get the shame out of your body. Write about it. Do some art. Create a poem, a story, some way that fe- those feelings, rather than burying them down deeper and deeper, they've got to come out. And so however you express, get it out of your body, get it out of your, out of your head, because that's where, you know, we can do that famous replay that we do so well as, as many women do, and watch how you are talking to yourself. Watch your language that you're, yeah, I'm not good enough. Yeah, I did that. You know, we can go down that cycle. But flip that voice into the voice of your best friend or how you would talk to your best friend. What would you say to your friend that was having these feelings? And then the encouragement to step out, take one tiny risk. For that mom, it may have been, she's going to go talk to another parent that was standing there at the bus and just say, wow, this happened. Or, and she's doing it, going to the bus driver, going to the bus company, going to the school administration. This type of behavior, shame-inducing, bullying, needs to be confronted needs to be addressed because if she's doing that in front of other parents to directly to a parent can you only imagine what's happening on the bus when there are no other adults around yeah i can i i'm flashing back to experiences on the bus growing up you know that's the thing having all of these conversations who takes you back places. I, as I was reading, I read this uh, line today and it was talking about how shame affects kids and it might work. Shaming your child might work to get them to go along with what you want, but here's what it said. Your child might respond by trying very, very hard to be, it says, very good girl her whole life. And then in parentheses, if you think that's a good outcome, have a conversation with an adult like this about her tendency to anxiety and depression. I'm that girl, right? Mm -hmm. So that was, I internalized a lot of stuff as a kid and it morphed into this belief that as long as I do everything right, I'm okay. And the negative self-talk that goes through my head to this day is brutal. Mm-hmm. I hear you say it and I've, I've heard it too, you know, talk to yourself like you would talk to your best friend. I know that intellectually. Yes, I don't do it all the time. I am so much harder on myself mm-hmm. than I am on anybody else. And we don't want to do that to your kids. I'm sure that the adults in my life didn't want to do that to me either. I want to be clear about that. What I'm trying to say is that even if you think shame works in the moment, it may be causing damage that you just don't see right now. Yeah. Down the road. Yeah. Exactly. It's a cautionary tale. It's a, it's an encouragement to pay attention, be more aware of your words and what, how you're communicating your. Yeah. Your expectations for behavior, for interactions. Mm -hmm. It's okay to state, this is how I want you to behave in this certain situation. But when you, Start making somebody feel bad. I think that you've crossed the line. Often, if you are paying attention, 
you can see when that happens. You can see the look in that child's eyes. And sometimes they'll, they'll look away or you can almost see their soul and the pain there. Other times you will see this flare of defiance mm -hmm. because they're putting up this inner wall that basically says, I don't care what yeah. you say. That doesn't exactly build your relationship either. No. And so I think a guideline that we can leave our listeners with is just simply watching when you are talking about the person versus when you are talking about the behavior of the person. And you want to land on observation of the behavior, not commentary on the person. I'm nodding my head vigorously. Observation of the behavior, not commentary on the person. Yeah. And you know, things happen fast and you're going to mess up and we're only human and give yourself grace, but have the conversations, talk about it. Respect, shame, embarrassment, guilt, all these dark sides of being human, bring them out in the light and hopefully we can maybe not burden our children as much as maybe we were burdened by our parents who didn't even know to have these conversations. This was not in their lexicon at all. I can say that most clearly because my mom used to tell me that. So the admiration for the willingness of parents, our listeners, to dive deep, be willing to call things for what they are. And what inspires me so much is the willingness to create change, to do things differently for our children, which then creates that generational change that we need. If we are going to have our children growing up in a better world. We can baby step our way there. Try one thing differently. And you may go back to the way you learned, the way you were parented, and try a little something different again. And over time, this gets easier. Over time, we change our parenting. We change our interactions with other parents, other adults. And that is how we change the world. This episode is brought to you by Audible. We know that you don't have a lot of time to sit down and read. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Go deeper with audio content from Audible. You can download a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash onboys to download your free book and start listening. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash onboys. Thanks for joining us. We are Jennifer L.W. Fink and Janet Allison, and we are here to support you in parenting and teaching tomorrow's men. Our family has grown. Welcome to the world, Hannah baby. Introducing a new collection, Hannah Soft, made with Tencel. It's so breathable, with stretchy comfort for all of baby's first moments. And it's cool and gentle on their skin all year round. 
entrusted Hannah Quality for your most precious gift. Hannah Soft, made to last. Shop now at hannahanderson.com.